Pints with Jack, season four, episode 94, After Hours with Max McLean from Fellowship for Performing Arts. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where David, Matt, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. We've done the screw tape letters, we've discussed the silver chair, and now we're just wrapping up the season with some great interviews. And today I'm speaking with Max McLean, the founder and artistic director of Fellowship for Performing Arts, a not-for-profit New York City-based production company producing theater and film from a Christian worldview to engage a diverse audience. In his various roles at FPA, Max McLean has adapted for stage The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis on stage, The Most Reluctant Convert, The Great Divorce, as well as performances of the biblical books of Genesis and St. Mark's Gospel. Max received the Jeff Award, Chicago Theater's highest honor for his performance of Mark's Gospel. His recent writing and producing credits also include Martin Luther on Trial. He has also memorized and performed Lewis's most famous sermon, The Weight of Glory, which I had the privilege of seeing both from the original pulpit where Lewis preached the sermon at the University Church of St. Mary the Virgin in Oxford and also saw it in Texas. Riveting. As an actor, Max has created the roles of Mark in Mark's Gospel, the storyteller in Genesis, Screwtape in New York and national tour on national tour and in London, C.S. Lewis in The Most Reluctant Convert on national tour and in an extended 15-week run in New York, and most recently, a very excited, exciting motion picture I'm sure that he'll share some more about. Max McLean, welcome to Pints with Jack, and thank you so much for carving out some time for a rare interview. Well, thank you, Andrew. Great to be with you. Listeners, as you may know, I've been honored uh, for the last several years to not only get to know Max, but occasionally to do some work for Fellowship for Performing Arts. And it's always an incredibly rewarding experience, both to see their excellent productions, but also to interact with the audience, large, literate, thoughtful crowds that attend the shows. It's mm. such a privilege to see FPA's work up close and to be involved in any way. Yeah, that's, uh, I remember the most recent thing you did for us, Andrew, was uh, you did some post-performance uh, Q&As uh, in DC and, and in Houston following uh, productions of The Great Divorce and, uh, and The Screwtape Letters. And uh, I, I want you to know that we, we received really great feedback from not just the audiences, but you know the crew and the cast also listening quite a bit on these. So thank you for doing that. Oh, it was such a joy. And like I said, it's so great to see such an engaged crowd. Almost no one left. And there were there were wonderful questions. I actually got a question afterwards from a 13-year-old girl. And it made me try to think on the spot. She said, why does Screwtape call him the patient? And I had to think a moment. And then I realized it's because he's the very opposite of a doctor. Right. Right. So... Yeah, Great. the patient is someone who, you know, we think of patient someone for healing. Screwtapes thinks of a patient as someone for corrupting, exactly, and bringing to damnation. Yeah. Well, and that leads us right right into our quote of the week uh, about okay. how Screwtape twists things. So let me read this, and I'd love to get your thoughts about this. Yeah, yeah. Here's from letter twenty-two. He's a hedonist at heart. All those fasts and stakes and vigils and crosses are only a facade. 
or only like foam on the seashore. Out at sea, out in his sea, there is pleasure and more pleasure. He makes no secret of it. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He has filled his world full of pleasures. There are things for humans to do all day long without his minding in the least. Sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. Everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. We fight under cruel disadvantages. Nothing is naturally on our side. <laughs> so living near Times Square and working near Broadway, what do you think of that? Well, it's a very, very interesting quote. And, and the context of it's quite interesting too, because it's when the patient has uh, fallen in love with the young Christian woman. And, you know, to bring people up to speed, uh, the patient is the object of, of screw tape or Wormwood's attacks. Uh, an unsuspecting human on earth. And so the, the patient in this case, uh, and I think I think the patient is a stand-in for Lewis, uh, you know, where he he is uh, reminiscing about his own battles with temptation. Uh, it comes when the patient has fallen in love mm -hmm. with a young Christian woman. And I think that feeling of of falling in love is one of the greatest pleasures in the world, regardless of whether you, you're in Times Square, uh, Broadway, or you're traveling through the Gobi Desert, really doesn't matter. Uh, it's a gift, and it's a gift from God, and it comes from Screwtape's enemy, God. Sure. And, you know, Screwtape can't even say the word love. He can't even say it. <laughs> so he has to distort it. And, and the idea of distorted pleasures is, is, a, is a huge theme in, in the Screwtape letters, especially... Uh, the distortion of, of love. In our play, The Screwtape Letters, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a little bit when we talk about this where it says, never forget that when we're dealing with any pleasure in its normal, satisfying form, we are on the enemy's own ground. Yes. Oh, I know we've won many a soul through pleasures, but it's his invention, not ours. <laughs> he made the pleasures. All our research thus far has not enabled us to produce one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, and I love that you mentioned love because uh, starting in October, we'll be doing season five and we're looking, we're tackling the four loves. And right. so we'll be right. leaning right into that. So I think that there's a great connection. Well, I see you taking a sip. For those listeners who can see, I'd love to see the other side of that cup. What have you got there? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, this cup, uh, we had this made for a donor event that we were doing. Let me see if I can bring it up. And can you see it there? It's uh, yep, perfect it right the there. Camera. Yeah. You can't get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's, of course, uh, I exchange uh, tea for... In this case, I think it's Starbucks Verona brand oh, coffee. Okay. All right. So, uh, but I take it black, take it strong. Okay. And uh, yeah, it gets me through the morning. <laughs> That's your drink of the week. I actually started with Cafe Verona, but I've switched to French roast. Um, and listeners, while we record this, it's a little early in the day for a dram of, of Lagavulin or anything else. Yeah, so. but he was going to offer me one, right? You were going to offer me one. Right? I was. In fact, I yeah. almost asked you for a cigar of the day. So, yeah. So, well, I, I told you, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I look forward to our next one. Absolutely. Well, cheers to you. Yes, cheers. All Thank right. you. 
So Max, I'm sure our listeners would love to know how it all started for you. Your work in acting, voicing the mm -hmm. Bible in uh, several different versions, as well as yeah. producing theater and film from a Christian worldview to engage a diverse audience. I know you're on a tight schedule this morning, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about how it all began? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I'm an adult convert to, to Christianity, so uh, uh, in my early 20s, I think I was 23, uh, and since I wasn't raised in an evangelical world, I didn't get the memo that Christians weren't supposed to be actors. Uh, <laughs> I was in drama school, living in London, exposed some of the best theater in the world, uh, saw fantastic productions. And I kept asking myself, why is an art and theater of this caliber being produced from a Christian worldview? Mm -hmm. And so that led to, first of all, using my skills and techniques, developing the theater and acting to illuminate great literature. Uh, to uh, do theatrical presentations of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really, uh, you know, the Lord was just so directing our paths for that because it was like an event waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the first time I presented the Bible uh, in that way, the immediate, the, the impact was, was immediate and profound. And, and within a very short time, I was on the road, maybe 150 days a year, doing memorized presentations of Mark's gospel, of Genesis, of Acts, Philippians, and in churches, mm -hmm. conferences, and colleges throughout the country. And so that was the first step. And then, of course, later, uh, we got to doing Lewis Productions. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and that's exactly leads to, to the next thing I was wanted to ask about. Um, FBA has done a number of truly excellent uh, Lewis projects. Um, why is there such a close connection between C.S. Lewis and the fel and Fellowship for Performing Arts? How'd that yeah, come about? Yeah, yeah. Well, it all started with the Screw Tape Letters. Mm -hmm. uh, reading that soon after my conversion. Uh, in fact, uh, somebody gave me a copy of Surprised by Joy right after my conversion. Up until that point, all I'd read was, uh, in terms of Christian literature, was uh, I'd read uh, the New Testament. Mm -hmm and uh, probably some of Proverbs. And uh, I had read the Brothers Karamazov. I read it before I was converted, and then I read it again after I was converted, because I think that book had uh, a very deep impact on uh, that led to my conversion. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, uh, this person gave me Surprised by Joy, and I read it from beginning to end, mm. but I didn't understand a word of it. I mean, it was way over my, went by me like a freight train. <laughs> Then this person gave me screw tape letters and, and letter one, you know, the man in the British Museum, mm -hmm. uh, I was smitten. You know, I said, I know this guy. I know him. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a really quite a revelation because one of the great uh, wiles of the devil is to, to try to convince us he doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's certainly where I was as an unbeliever. And one of the one of the great insights of of uh, having the scales come off was to realize, first of all, I was loved by God mm -hmm. and hated by his enemy mm. and and deceived. So so the screw tape letters gave me a real picture of spiritual warfare in a way that I wouldn't have understood mm. prior to that. Hmm. Oh, it's marvelous. And, you know, in doing my book, Mere Christians, I found that that was one of the, probably a third of the, of people kind of came to Lewis impactfully through screw tape. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, you know, he continues, that book continues to speak as we've, as we've seen, you know, our listenership mm -hmm. and our downloads this year have just grown. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. In terms of productions, um, I went to see Screwtape as soon as I heard about it and, and a couple of years before we met. Actually, we met the day that I first saw Screwtape. I messaged you on Facebook and you were generous in the green room to, to answer uh -huh. back and we got to meet that day. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember. There in you made quite an impression, Andrew. <laughs> I'm soft-spoken and, and introverted. <laughs> I'm sure everybody has, has, has known that. So um, in my course uh, studying Lewis, I've seen a bunch of C.S. Lewis productions and without putting too fine a point on it, the, the quality of them can range uh, fairly widely. What are some of the challenges that you have faced in getting a really good production done as FPA has done? How do you yeah. how do you do it with such such excellence? Well, Lewis is so hard. He's so so hard. He's so dense. Mm -hmm. uh, he delivers ideas and imaginative insights that most of us have not thought about, or at least not thought about in, in the way he does. Sure. So you want to get those mm -hmm. without losing your audience, mm -hmm. uh, and of course. Uh, the challenge is he didn't write for theater, which was, uh, you know, which theater has to hit immediately. Right. Uh, but he's so interesting that you want to do the work to excavate the beauty and the brilliance of, of his insights and language within the context of a story. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's you're always second guessing yourself. Uh, you know, his his story structure is pretty simple, mm -hmm. uh, but that's what he hangs his ideas on. Mm -hmm. So you really want to uh, uh, hang on to the story structure as much as you can, but you you want to just find the right platform for the insights that he has. Mm. And of course, he works so well with spoken language, yes. as you and I both know. Yeah. So, so I think the, uh, the great trick is uh, to speak it well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and so we, that's where we spend a lot of our time. We don't, we don't shy away. Uh, one of the things I was concerned about when I saw some of the films was there was a little bit, they wanted to get to the action without the store, without the, the, the insights and the brilliance. And, and I think uh, in some cases it missed the mark. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that was where we, we really, I think, uh, emphasize our work. Mm. Yeah, that narrative arc, you know, and I've, I've been privileged on a couple of occasions to see a, a little bit about how the sausage gets made in some of these productions. Mm -hmm. um, in reflecting on it too, I hadn't thought about this until you were speaking just now, but I think that one of the real hallmarks is not only the narrative, but all of the plays that I've seen are funny and mm -hmm. crucially funny at a moment that really kind of moves the drama along. Is that deliberate? Well, he's funny. He is. You know, he, he, he's very, and, and you, you know, it's, it's a little dry. He's, he's such a highbrow that, you know, you, <laughs> you have, you do have to set it up properly right. and that takes some time to find. Yeah. But once you do, the payoff is tremendous. Mm. And, and, you know, he says uh, what he says of Chesterton, uh, his his humor was the bloom of his argument, oh, and, and I think that that's uh, a real uh, uh, you, you don't want to miss that because he's not trying to be funny. He's not trying to tell jokes. Right, right. You know, his it's it's part of the message. It's it's a, a delighted cleverness. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I've heard Doug Gresham comment that the thing that the biographers most of the biographers miss about Lewis's life is the consistent sound of laughter that was always mm -hmm. present in the house. Wow, that's mm -hmm. great. 
Well, I read a little bit about uh, about this on the FPA site, which I commend to our listeners. But can you tell me a little bit about what happened when COVID hit? That kind of got in the way of your plans. Didn't you have like yeah. three or four productions on the road? Well, we got clobbered. We really did. Uh, you know, it, it, it sort of blindsided us, uh, you know, because I think the whole country was in denial about it. Sure. Uh, you know, and and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they sort of said that, well, we can't deny it anymore. Mm -hmm. So they began this shutdown process. And of course, it was uh, it, for us, March 15th, it all stopped. Mm -hmm. But we we thought it was going to be short, you know, mm -hmm. 15 days to flatten the curve. Remember that? Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I thought back then I said, well, what am I going to do for two weeks? You know, <laughs> uh, wow, and then, yeah. of course. Uh, you know, and everybody said, oh, we'll be back in May and back in June. And in fact, you know, we canceled quite a few events, but we rescheduled them for the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, then June, July, and then August. And then we, then we realized, boy, this is going to be long. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that really, really uh, hit us hard. We had three shows on the road. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just about ready to end our screw tape tour in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the great divorce in Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, most reluctant convert had uh, just done an event at uh, a full house at Northwestern University, mm -hmm. and we were just about to go to the University of Michigan to have another full house there. Uh, and then we just uh, finished a, a, a an adaptation of Paradise Lost in New York. Right. Uh, so we were, you know, we were moving roughly two thousand tickets a week, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden we're down to zero, and you know, stayed there for the rest of the, you know, till till now. Sure. Uh, but thankfully. Uh, it looks like we're we're back on the road beginning uh you know this uh, august it's going to we're going to go back and then we've got a tour all fall okay great uh, of the great divorce uh through december and then you know uh we're we're starting the book this spring as well Good. the winter and the spring as well excellent yeah we're recording here in july but this episode airs at the end of august and so by then some folks will already have gotten to to see you all are you going to do a season again in new york or not this year not this year okay. uh but uh, we do anticipate uh, we'll do one in the future yeah yeah new york is still uh is new york's a very wounded city right now and and so uh you know the the hospitality arts economy mm -hmm. the creative economy plus hospitality are probably the largest employers in the city when you combine them mm -hmm. you know with with tourism and and that got hit so so hard i mean it's bigger than finance bigger than tech mm -hmm. bigger than healthcare uh in terms of number of people employed wow. uh and so it's going to take a while for that to come back uh broadway is going to begin opening slowly uh in september i mean there's a, a show open. I think Bruce Springsteen is on now right. and there's one other show might open in August. Uh, but uh, the, the, there's going to be a staggered opening all the way through the end of the year. And then we'll be able to judge, uh, you know, how that goes. Well, for listeners who don't know, um, for the last several years, FPA has done a season in New York um, for a couple of months uh, or so. Yeah, we, you know, we've done uh, as long as uh, four months uh, sometimes as short as six weeks, but we try to have a presence in the city. That's yeah. great. Well, and we're all looking forward to 2022. I know that Northwind Seminary is doing their Oxford pilgrimage in June, and then the C.S. Lewis Foundation is there in July uh, doing Oxbridge Conference again. And so we have yeah. real high hopes for 2022. Yeah, and I plan to be at Oxbridge. I, I hope to see you there. Uh, let's let's plan it again. We had a wonderful pint with Malcolm and Andrew Peterson, didn't we? Yes, we did. Malcolm's local. So fantastic. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the screw tape letters because we're finishing up this season. We're yeah. finishing up the fourth season. How closely does your, and I'm asking you a question I know the answer to on a first-hand basis, yeah. but tell us about how closely your production of screw tape uh, compares to the actual book and what you did with that. Well, it's pretty close. Uh, I mean, the you know, if you read the book from beginning to end, it's about six hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or an audio book is about six hours long. I, I don't, uh, I don't think people want to stay that long in a theater. So <laughs> we do touch on 24 of the 31 letters. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we certainly have an interpretation of the book for dramatic purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, we see it as a predator prey story mm -hmm. uh, that follows two story arcs. What happens, you know, predator being screw tape, the prey being the patient. Mm -hmm. And so we follow two story arcs. What happens to the patient who begins the play is perhaps spiritually indifferent. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the play, uh, he's quite devout uh, mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that, that Screwtape's trying to ruin him for the entire process of the play. And that's, of course, due to the presence of uh, the real protagonist in the story, uh, uh, screw tapes enemy gone yes and then the the second arc the more theatrical arc is what happens to screw tape who begins the story as this kind of master of the universe personality loves the way he looks loves the way he talks uh loves the way he dresses mm -hmm. smartest guy in the room he's just pure pride mm -hmm. and then by the end of the play he's a defeated devil right. uh and that too is due to the presence of uh, uh his enemy God. So the real protagonist in the in the play and, and in the book is God himself. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love watching that as the hair and the clothes get messier <laughs> throughout the production. It's, it's great. Yeah. And I remember taking a question from the audience about why it feels so contemporary. And uh, I would always remark, well, that's because of the amount that you changed from Lewis's actual words. Wasn't it like two words? Yeah, change. like nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the only thing we did, I mean, there was a couple of things we we did change uh, the Ger you know German War World War Two to I think acts of terror, which is yeah. I think is more universal. Right. And and I think in the prep in the preface of the book, uh, uh, Lewis says something. Either Lewis or Screwtape says something. The fact that humans go to war is of no interest to us except how it affects the patient. So uh, that that felt like a change that was really immaterial, uh, and then of course some of the things like the clicker, uh, the 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 dance, sure. uh, you know, those were just visual helps right. because we didn't change the words. The words were the same. Yeah. We just added some sort of visual interest that allowed uh, the audience to make the connection because what Lewis was dealing with was, you know, the, the seven deadly sins and those haven't changed. Yeah, <laughs> no, they haven't, nor has God's grace and his mercies for us. Right, so right. thank him for that. No, I loved, I love that. And I love how 80 years on that book still feels very contemporary because Lewis was looking at the eternalities of the human heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's great. Um, I was privileged to see you in that role, which you inaugurated, and it's now portrayed by the excellent Brent Harris. Um, how did yeah. that that come about? Well, you, uh, remember I, I mentioned early on that uh, Screw Tape was a real uh, uh, early influence mm -hmm. in my Christian walk. Mm -hmm. So, but I kind of parked it. I mean, not so much Screw Tape, but sort of Lewis, because Lewis was work, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and so. Uh, but then uh, I was doing one of my other shows and, and this theater professor from uh, 
Madison, New Jersey, uh, Drew University, saw my work and he was really impressed. And, and he said, you know, I, I, I think you would make a really good screw tape. And I didn't know if that was a compliment or not. Uh, <laughs> but I was intrigued because of the earlier experience and he had an idea how to do it. And I said, well, if we can get the rights from C.S. Lewis stake, we'd have a go of it. And that was back in 2004, 2003, some way back when. And so we, we got to work on it sometime in 2005 and, and kept working on it. And uh, I felt like it took a while to crack the code, but once we did, uh, it really found an audience. Absolutely. Half a million people who have seen it, right? At least. At yeah. least. Yeah. And at least one Supreme Court justice I've heard. And Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. I, we had, uh, uh, I, I'm aware of uh, at least, uh, not Scalia. Uh, Alito? Uh, Sam Alito came. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And uh, yeah, we, when we first did it, we had a lot of high elected officials, Ed Neese and mm. various senators and congressmen come. And I was really said, whoa, this is interesting. Well, and that's yeah. one of the things that struck me so much the first time, um, the first time I saw the show, first and second time I saw the show, it was in a, a major theater in Houston. And um, here's a room full of not necessarily Christian people, and you're pointing out their sins and flaws, and they're laughing at themselves. And I thought, man, if anything is evangelism, that presentation of the gospel where you can hold up a mirror to our own shortcomings and, and help us see. I, I just thought that was brilliant. And I love, I love what Brent does in the role, too. Um, I yeah, think he's, he's, he's terrific. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did a, a tour that began in 2018, and, and it began in New York, actually. Uh, where we we ran the show and interesting Newsweek magazine selected Screw Tape as one of the best uh, New York productions wow. of the year. Wow! Uh, so uh, that was terrific. Then we toured it all of nineteen and into twenty, and uh, we had intended to you know what we tend to do with these tours is we run them for a year or so, uh, put put them in, to bed for a bit, and then bring them out again in a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When we can get a new audience. Well, yeah. or a repeat audience, you know. Or a repeat audience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lewis talks about the joys of rereading a book. Um, yes. So, yes. And it's fantastic to see again and again. Um, I love the Drew University connection because Northwind Seminary was started by Rob Duncan and Michael Christensen and a couple of others from Drew who oh, ended up retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, good, good, solid Methodist. Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to switch uh, gears from what has uh, got, come behind to press on to what's coming forward. I understand FPA is working on its first movie. And in fact, you sent us graciously the trailer for Most Reluctant Convert, which uh, our listeners can can see online. Um, what can you tell us about the Most Reluctant Convert film project? Well, it, it's it's also a uh, a byproduct of the of the of the shutdown, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had to pivot. So, you know, we did pivot to virtual productions. Mm -hmm. uh, we did, a, you know, we did Great Divorce virtually, which was we got a huge audience. Right. Uh, we, we did uh, Shadowlands virtually, which was very well received. And, and then we also did uh, Martin Luther on trial virtually. And, and we did a Christmas program and an Easter program. So we did a lot of virtual work. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, uh, it was wonderful how people responded to those. Uh, I had contacted uh, my friend, Norman Stone. I don't know if people know who Norman is. Norman uh, is a Scottish filmmaker, mm -hmm. a man I've respected afar since I first saw his BBC version of Shadowlands in the mid 80s. Fantastic uh, version. That, that yeah. film was the, 
uh, you know, the relationship and marriage of Lewis and Joy Davidman that became the Broadway play that became the feature film with Anthony Hopkins and Deborah Winger. Uh, and FPA did the first New York revival of that in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman and I met about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, at a Christian arts conference, we were both uh, speakers and hit it off immediately. Since then, uh, we've met a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, uh, throughout, uh, uh, you know, and he comes to New York quite frequently. We have dinner, we talk. And, and so, uh, you know, he loves the Lord. He has the same, uh, loves the arts, loves C.S. Lewis. Uh, he, he grew up a preacher's kid. Uh, the name of the denomination he grew up in is called strict and particular Baptist. He said, it's a, <laughs> he says the denomination is so strong, uh, so small that not even God has heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's true because I think it was started by Charles Spurgeon and okay. uh, one of its, uh, leading lights is, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, he, he has a vision uh, very similar to my, he went to art school, was an artistic child, uh, and uh, he wanted to produce excellent films from a, with a Christian uh, perspective. And uh, so and he had a 40-year career at the BBC and has made over 100 films. So we, we, I sent him our script. I said, can we talk about making this into a movie? He said, uh, yeah, let me look at it. And he really enjoyed the most reluctant convert script. You know, the idea of transformation is very filmic. Right. Uh, so he began, uh, we began talking about it, but we saw it as a 22, 23 project. This mm -hmm. was back in 19. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when the pandemic hit in March of 20, uh, things changed. So mm -hmm. by June, we were talking, can we make this film? And, uh, and then he said, well, you know, uh, filmmaking in Britain is opening up in August and nobody's working. So I can get a really good crew. That's great. And uh, mm -hmm. if you can get the funding, we can begin, uh, uh, we can begin shooting, you know, as early as, as late August. So I got my board together and, and uh, we decided we should do this. We should take advantage of it. So I, uh, you know, we got the rights to do the film from the C.S. Lewis estate um and uh next thing you know i was on a plane a very empty plane as big as air force one mm -hmm. with fewer people on it mm -hmm. uh flying from uh, newark to uh to uh heathrow uh i think it was august 31st and then mm -hmm. we began filming in mid-september finished in mid-october and uh and then we began uh, you know did all the post-production that finished a couple of months ago and since then, we've been working on on setting up the distribution. Ah, oh, that's fantastic! I just I love that, and I love uh, I love your flexibility and the courage to be nimble and to follow where the Lord leads and to not despair at the at the closed door. And it kind of reminds me that you know the way that that kind of came together so quickly, the way that other things you know that FPA has done, that the doors have really opened precipitously. And it reminds me of Lewis saying about Screwtape that nothing was easier for him to write. Um, yeah. Although there was great cost involved, right? And so he, he, he gave him a kind of spiritual itch, right? Um, yeah. But the yeah. Lord's provision in that, I think, is a, is a real sign of his evidence. Well, it's sort of, I, I think Screwtape introduced him to America. Oh, sure. You know, and, you know, and, uh, and it became a huge bestseller. Royalties poured in, which really bothered him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you know the story about that. He uh, he yeah. gave away all that money, and then the tax bill came. <laughs> and 
And so fortunately, Barfield stepped in and one more big check came to take care of that. <laughs> Otherwise, we may not have heard from him again. Right. Oh, that's right. fantastic. Well, we uh, we we look forward to that. When it, do you have a rough idea when that comes out? Yes, we 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 just uh, we, we just negotiated uh, with a you know national distribution company mm -hmm. uh, for a November third release. Okay. Uh, and you know it's uh, uh, we we'll be all over the country. I mean, hundreds of theaters uh, in you know most major markets, even smaller markets. By film standards, it's a relatively small film. You know, it's not a Marvel film by any means. So, so uh, theaters are a little bit reluctant, you know, to give up space. So they're they're going to watch it closely. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we do well on November third, uh, they they may extend it. So that's kind of where we are with it. We're happy. We're going to promote it pretty heavily. Great. Um, and uh, you know, get uh, get behind it. Yep. Uh, but I do think that that this has been such a wonderful experience that I, I think that FPA will be uh, we'll, we're going to go into the film business mm. uh, in terms of we, we're, we're going to continue doing theater. Yeah. But I think we're also going to keep doing film. Uh, that's a that's a that's great news for us. Um, well, you can count on our listeners to put that date on their calendar. You can count on us to pray for you. And then, yeah, yeah please give us um, give us information. We'd be happy to Hector uh, theater owners. Uh, beforehand yeah, to yeah. say and so well, you know it's going to be you know uh, it's movie prices 10 to 15 bucks uh somewhere in there and i think if you get a group together uh you know it's probably somewhere around you know 20 percent discount so it's uh you know it's reasonably priced and then uh uh and you know even if like if you're in an area that we don't have a theater let us know we'll see if we can add a theater right. you know if you can get a group together and say yeah we'll We'll, we'll see, you know, give you an example, you know, we probably don't have, uh, oh, I don't know, let's say Waco, Texas, I, that may not be on our list, mm -hmm. you know, Dallas is on our list, Austin's on our list, Houston's on our list, mm -hmm. San Antonio, but maybe not Waco, if you want to do something in Waco, you know, let us know, and we'll see if we can uh, secure a theater, because the theater owners are going to benefit sure. from that, sure. you know, they, so they, they uh, if, if they know that people are interested, we can uh, open those up. Well, um, on behalf of Pints with Jack, I think I can assert to say maybe we can do something in early October just to get word out. And yeah. I'd be happy to spread word, you know, on social. You know, there are a lot of big Lewis groups around. And I think that if they know that there's a need and this is an excellent you know, an excellent opportunity, um, we'd be happy to get some of the, the groundswell going for sure. Good. And, you know, the interesting thing about the story, you know, even though it was based on a, on a one person play, the way the story is, is, is written is uh, or is 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 filmed is we we have three actors playing lewis we have a boy lewis mm -hmm. uh wonderful eddie ray martin then we have uh a young man lewis mm -hmm. played by nicholas ralph who is just uh starring as uh, the lead in all creatures great and small mm -hmm. uh he's marvelous as that we have tolkien and and barfield cast obviously uh kirkpatrick and uh, the mom and dad and young warney so, you know, there's uh, the, the show has uh, 15 actors and we, we had 190 extras, wow. uh, 270 different costumes in 20 different locations in and around Oxford. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's going to feel uh, it's got, it, it's beautifully filmed. We, you know, it was, it was filmed in the fall, which is a great time of year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think people will, will, will be nostalgic 
about Oxford after seeing the film. I think so. Well, and shows like Inspector Morse and Endeavor and others, you know, have have uh, have made great use of Oxford. And I love some of the production uh, photos that I've seen where, you know, you have the streets more or less empty. So, yeah, it was very interesting because we weren't allowed to uh, to have, uh, you know, we had scenes where we wanted large crowds on the street, you know, but the Oxford city uh, government wouldn't let us do it. Oh, wow. Yeah, we could have, we could have one person. <laughs> so what we did is we have different people walking at different times. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I would have been happy to, you know, show up for that next time. Just, you know, give me a call. So, um, uh, of course, Nicholas Ralph played play James Harriet in, that's in it, all right. creatures. Yeah. Right. So looking forward, um, what are you, what have you got? I we're happy and excited to hear that, that there'll be more films from FPA. Yeah. What about other productions? Will there be a most reluctant yeah. convert volume two? What other things? Well, are- it's, 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 uh, you know, we, we, we wanted to continue to tell the Lewis story and, uh, uh, so, uh, I've been working for the past, uh, oh, probably two years on a sequel to The Most Reluctant Convert, which is trying to discover how Lewis, you know, it was not obvious that when Lewis converted, you know, uh, uh, on the sidecar motorcycle in September 1931, which by the way, his 90th anniversary is coming up. That's right. uh, uh, Of of his conversion. Mm -hmm. It wasn't obvious that he was going to become the great uh, Christian uh, writer apologist, probably the the most influential and, uh, effective Christian writer uh, of the 20th century. That was just not obvious. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so how did that happen? And so Mm -hmm. this story attempts to uh, stitch that together. Mm. And, uh, and so it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been a wonderful challenge because it, it, the name of it is uh, uh, C.S. Lewis on stage further up, further in. Mm -hmm. And and I've just been so uh, inspired and blessed by the insights uh, that that it has, mm-hmm. um, you know his own uh, his own doubts, his own uh, uh, self deprecation. Sure, uh, sure. You know, and uh, and so I, I really am very very excited about getting. So the plan right now is that uh, the script is just about done. It's changed quite a bit over the course of the last six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're going to start workshopping it this fall. And we hope to premiere it in March. Okay. In, in Actually, we're going to try to premiere it in Houston and then do a, a national tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, boy, you're getting a big scoop here, Andrew. <laughs> uh, and then bring it to New York sometime uh, after that. Oh, so fantastic. that's the plan. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and of course, it goes without saying, if I can ever serve in any way, you know, on that, I'm I'm always available um, for that. I love how in after the conversion, what happens to Lewis is this kind of solid surrounding of friends. And um, I'm working on a paper for Northman right now about Lewis's first criticism of Tolkien's poetry in 1929. I mean, before the conversions and um, but how, like Diana Glyer talks about with Bandersnatch, how Lewis served as a resonator and an encourager and an editor, and that really solidified their friendship. And that friendship, in some ways, kind of characterizes the 30s and 40s with him. I can't wait to hear, you know, to, to see what you do with that. So another, another uh, point of prayer for us. Amen. Um, so if budget and permission from the Lewis estate uh, were no object, what project would you love to do? I think I'd love to have a crack 
at uh, a film version of the screw tape letters. Wow. Okay. It would be a an evergreen project that you know, particularly if you stay close to the book, but nevertheless mm-hmm. find the theatrical arc of it. Mm-hmm. That I think it would. Uh, really serve the kingdom in a, in a very powerful way. Yeah. Well, and I think that you already have such a great leg up at portraying that in an effective way. And because you, um, because there's so much material in there that you didn't touch for the stage play that I think that there's more, should you want it, you know, I think there are more scenes that that could be developed. Ah, that's fantastic. Well, Max, it's been such a joy. We really want to know, um, I really want our listeners to know um, where we can go to find out and to help because this is not, you know, especially with the canceling of so many tickets, uh, this is not a huge profit in producing enterprise, I imagine. What can we do as listeners and as devotees of Lewis and fans of your work? What would we do to, to know more? Well, I would, uh, you know, we have a, our Fellowship for Performing Arts, short FPA. Mm-hmm. We have a website. You know, we're a theatrical production company, as you mentioned earlier, sure. and uh, based in New York, and we tour regularly. And of course, we're right now touring uh, the C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be in Colorado Springs, Kansas City, Tulsa. LA, San Francisco area, uh, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Grand Rapids, Cleveland. So we're going to be pretty all over the place this fall. So uh, come see our shows when we're in your area at FPA Theater, Mm -hmm. T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. It's not because we're highbrow we use the British spelling. It's because theater with an R-E is the art. Theater with an E-R is the building. Ah, so we make that distinction. Had no idea. Uh, and uh, and that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, so anyway, uh, do that. And of course, please remember November 3rd, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, our film debut, uh, C.S. Lewis, The Most Reluctant Convert. Um, and you can get more information on, on our film at cslewismovie.com, cslewismovie.com. We'll include all of those links um, for folks. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'd love to do that. Do you do you also take support from from just, you know, donors and supporters? Yeah, we, you know, th- you can find out more about our work uh, at fpatheater.com, fpatheater.com with an R-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, you can find out more about who we are, what we do, why we do it. Mm. Uh, produce theater from a Christian worldview, meant to engage a diverse audience. And when that's your mission, you land pretty heavily on C.S. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and pretty excellently, if you ask me. Well, thank you, Max. What a joy! Uh, I'm I'm so grateful that you would make some time. It's great to renew our friendship once again, and I look forward to more of that uh, coming in the days to come. So uh, we're going to wrap up now. And so, listeners, we uh, just invite you to join us next time when we'll be going further up. And further in. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks again so much to Max McLean for coming on the show. And thanks to all of you for listening and especially to our Patreon supporters, particularly our top tier supporters, Shane, John, Kevin, Brian, Kay, Monique, Paul, Kimberly, Gilliam, Gary, Jake, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Kelly, Chris, John, James, Kate, and Rowdy. We encourage you to follow us on social media and 
You can always find more about the podcast at pintswithjack.com. And that's where you can shoot us a message, listen to past episodes, and pick up some very lovely merchandise.